First thing I want to tell you guys is that I love you. I love the faith. I love the I love Jesus. I love the body of Christ. I love everything concerning him. He created you in his image and I am just thankful for you. And so with that, I'm going to go over last couple of weeks. We've been in the series of foxes, tares and fruit bearers. And we talked about tares. We talked about the foxes, the foxes being hole diggers in our life. We talked about tares being the injurious weed that chokes us out. We talked about the garden. We talked about how the life is a garden and, and, and we are part of this garden of that God has created. Then we went on to talk about how seeds were planted in the garden and that we are like the seed, uh, but also, but God has planted his word and he's cast seed upon the ground and the devil has cast seed upon the ground. And so, so what happens is the devil tries to choke out by throwing weeds out there to choke out God's word so we wouldn't receive it. But God also told us in the word that we are the ground as well, that we're going to bring spring forth, uh, uh, plants and trees and that our soil would remain good. And if our soil is good, he can find pleasure in us, which brings us to the word today, which is bearing good fruit. The word today is bearing good fruit. And so to become a plant or a tree, a seed is planted in the dirt to grow properly, right? We know this, that in the soil or dirt, it provides a natural environment for the seeds to germinate and grow healthy. But we are the seeds taken out of the uh, ground, planted in this world, and who were created in the likeness of God to bear good fruit. And the garden of life allows mankind, who was God's seed, God's seed, to emerge out of the darkness into the marvelous light to produce trees and plants in his garden in the similar way that plants and trees produce fruit. We produce fruit that is good to eat. And for some who desire to continue in darkness, not good to eat. So right now, I want you to go to Genesis, the second chapter. In Genesis, the second chapter is the beginning and I keep bringing us back to the beginning because that's where it all started. That's where God formed man. That's where animals were created and life was created and the world and the foundation of the world was created. And if you read in Genesis, the second chapter, reading at verse seven, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust. He formed man out out of the dust, out of the ground and breathe and the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living soul. This is powerful. First thing you need to understand when we look at this scripture, this is the beginning. This is where it all started. And if God started it here, he had a outcome he was expecting from this seed that came out of the ground. Notice that it says, then the Lord God, 
It didn't say then God. It said then the Lord God. And we have to understand what is Lord. Lord is someone who or something having power, authority or influence or it even goes on to say a master or ruler. He's the one controlling the beginning. He's the one going to control how the end is going to come out because he planted. He formed man out of the ground in the Hebrew. It says Lord is a sir or master. He's a proprietor, a commander, a possessor. It even goes on to say husband. See, that's why we are married to Christ. You see that? Because we are the bride and he is the husband. God is the husband. It even goes on in Hebrew. Lord means owner. Okay. And it even goes on the, the Lord of a spouse. You understand? Meaning that God has full authority in our life. So when he said, then the Lord God formed man out of the dust, he did it under, under his authority, under his authority that he rules, not by Satan, not by man's opinion, not by what they have created, what they what scientists have created. It is based on God's authority and his rulership that we were created. And with that being said, because he is the beginning, he is the first. He breathed life into Adam. Now, understand what this is for God. Who is the authority? Who is the essence of the beginning? He's the beginning cell of everything for him to blow his essence into our body, his breath into our body. He blew himself. He blew himself into us. And what that means. That man became a living being because of it. Now, man had not yet ate of the tree of life, which will give him eternal life. But God breathed his life, which his life breathed into every any anything in this world has life because of God. Do you understand the essence of what this is? And so when he created us in his image, taken out of the ground, he also blew his image into us as well, meaning that. We are not like what man thinks we are. We were not created to do what this world is doing. We were created to be in the likeness of God. We were created to be in the image of God. So anything outside of his image is a lie. It is not the truth. It's contrary to who he is. And if you see that in your life, that your life is contrary, then you have to question within yourself Am I like God? Am I being the fullness of the Godhead? Am I doing the things that God has called me to do in my life? With that being said, I want you now to turn to Matthew, the seventh chapter, because we need now to recognize the bad fruit. I want you to say with me, recognizing the bad fruit. In order to recognize, you have to understand that you are aware you are aware of what is going on in Matthew 7. Matthew speaks on awareness of our fruit, of our behavior. And we're going to read about verse 16. And it says, you will recognize them by their fruit. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? We're going to stop right there. Think about a grape. A grape is sweet, it's delicious. As a matter of fact, there's different flavors based on the color and, 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 and texture. You have a grape. Now tell me or ask yourself, is grapes gathered from a thorn bush? Mm. Is grapes gathered or figs from thistles? Let's take thistles out of the ground, out of the weeds and things like that. Do you see figs growing from weeds? No, he's trying to get you to be aware, be self-aware of what's really going on. You're not going to get good fruit from something that is bad. You're not going to get good fruit from something that may be harmful to you. In Matthew, the 17th verse, it says, in the same way, every good tree produces good fruit. In the same way, in the likeness Every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. Straight up. There is nothing else different from that. You either good or you're bad. If your fruit is bad, it's because something in the fruit is bad. If your fruit is good, it's because something in the fruit is good. You cannot have both at the same time because you have contrariness going on. This is one of the reasons why Christ says in his word, I'd rather you hot and I'd rather you cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will spill you out of my mouth. He'd rather you be good. He'd rather you be bad. Then he could distinguish between the both of what he should take for himself. Why would somebody go and eat something that's going to kill them? Why would somebody partake in food that they know that has death in it? No one will be that foolish to do. They will eat from the good barrel. They will eat from the good plate. That's what somebody wise would do. But somebody ignorant, someone who's foolish, someone who's lacking understanding would eat from things that they know that is wrong. Because someone with understanding would not do that. That would make no sense. So now why we need to recognize our good behavior from bad behavior? Because God is bringing sense. He's bringing understanding. He's bringing knowledge. He wants you to know that you know that there's a difference and that you were created in God's image and that image was good. You have what you need. There is nothing lacking. I don't care what this world has said. I don't care what kind of failures you've made. You have everything you need in Christ when you abide in him. When you abide in him and not yourself. When you abide in him and not this world. You have everything that you need. So I want you to understand, does a person's life show that they honor God? That's what we have to question. Does my life show that I honor him and the name that I carry. It's not just Pastor Jay. I'm, I'm bound. I'm tied to. I'm connected to Jesus Christ. When people see me, they should see Jesus Christ. They should not see Pastor Jay. Because Pastor Jay can mess up. You understand what I'm saying here? You need to be aware of what's going on. Does your life speak that, that you are in union with God? That you are connected with God? 
that that what you do and what you say is in union with his word. It showcases good fruit. Or does it show that you are in disagreement with God? Does your life reveal that there is a separation, that there is a lacking of understanding? Or you haven't came to the truth or to the knowledge of the truth? And we have to understand, well, how does this apply? Because first, God is first. He's the head of our life. And then everything else falls underneath that. So when you look at a family, first of of all, you're going to look at a husband and you're going to look at a wife and they fall under God. And does they life, their life as a husband and a wife fall underneath God? Then you're going to look at the children. You're going to see if the children based on the the husband and the wife do their life fall underneath God. There is an order. These are fruits. It's like a vine that is connected and it's bearing fruit. And that fruit is giving forth figs and that fruit is giving forth. I mean, that plant is giving forth grapes and it's all connected. There is no difference. There's no contrariness. And so are you connected? Then it goes on to your relatives. Does your relatives, does your behavior showcase that of God when you're around your relatives? And so we have to understand why fathers and mothers uh, 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 are in disagreement with each other and brothers and sisters are in disagreement with each other. Are we connected to God? Are we in line with him when we have our arguments or when we are disputing? We need to be in line with God and there will be less conflict. But this is the this is disagreement and this is the, the confusion in the world. Where is your honor and who are you aligned with? Are you aligned with God or are you aligned with Satan? We have to understand that there is a difference because he has his kingdom and God has his kingdom. So husbands. So that your prayers would not be hindered. That's what God says in first Peter, first Peter two, three and seven. We need to be in line with God. So our prayers would not be hindered in our marriage. And then Bible even tells us that when in relationship in in Matthew five and twenty four, that your gift is no longer good until you prepare the relationship that you have with your brother and your sister. We need to understand that God cares about that relationship and that connection. But everything all comes right back to God. It all comes back to him. It doesn't go swivers to the world. It doesn't swivers to the left to Satan. It all comes back to him because we are a representation of his kingdom, of his likeness, of his image. This is what God is expecting. So then you have to understand then and become more aware of the behavior of the church. Why is the church in conflict? Why is the church in disagreement? Why is there fights breaking out at the church? Why, why are people arguing over the smallest things at the church? Then you have to understand what's going on in the life of the believer. And we have to understand, does my life and my behavior and my, my, my uh, uh, conduct, does it align with the things of God? Does it show that I have good behavior? Am I bearing good fruit? 
This is why there's so much confusion in the church. Men's lives, their life are doing, I'm sorry, in most men's life, we're trying to do the right thing. But in the church, we're supposed to be doing the right thing. You say you are part of the church. People condemn you for that. They will call you a hypocrite if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you say you are part of a church. How much more the kingdom of God? How much more being in the likeness of Christ? See, it goes beyond the church. It goes to him, what we do. And we have to make sure that we cut off everything that's not like him. If there's dead branches, what we do, we cut it off. We don't keep dead branches because you will lose the source of the life. You need to be connected to the life. And so what happens is men practice detestable things inside the church. They call themselves believers, but yet they practice detestable things outside the church, but yet they, they live in the church. Their life is about the church. That is contrariness. That is a spirit of deception. We talked about the tares. We talked about the foxes. Well, it comes to reality now. Now we have to realize and examine ourselves. Are we of God or are we not? And then we have to come to the conclusion which side we want to be on and whose we are when he opens the clouds, when he busts heaven wide open to come to us, to receive us as the husband, expecting the bride to be ready for her marriage, for her wedding day. Will we be ready? Will we have our clothes on? Will we be ready to receive him? This is a continual thing. A bride is constantly preparing for the wedding day. They're constantly finding their clothes and gathering their clothes. They're constantly researching where they're going to hold the event. And the people is going to be a part of this. And the people they're connected to. They're not trying to be in disagreement with family because they want their family there. They care about everyone because they love everyone. And they want to be the perfect bride when the groom is ready for them on that wedding day. Do we live our life like that? Or do we live a life of detestable, rejectable? And we have to consider our way. And so what does that mean? Do we agree with God or do we disagree? I heard someone said to me recently that, um, you know, I, uh, I'm not God. I'm not God. Why should I forgive? I'm sorry. Let me, let me correct what I said. He, they said that I am not God. I don't forget. God is the one who forget. And so you got to think about this. If somebody says that they don't forget, are they really forgiving? Are they really letting go of what it was that bothered them? That, that made them upset with that individual? Are they really walking in the likeness of God? Our creator, or better yet, let's think about Jesus Christ who died for our sins when we were unworthy of the blessing, unworthy of inheritance. Jesus Christ came in the likeness of man, but being in the full head, the godliness of God gave his life for, for wretched man, for unworthy man. He gave his life and hung for us. And you think he was thinking about 
what we did to him, how we dishonored his father, how we shamed his kingdom. No, he saw the blessing. He saw the individual and it meant more to him, the soul, the salvation, the reconnection with the father and rejoining. He wanted to please God and there's no way he could have walked in that unforgiveness. He had to forgive. He had to forgive. He had to move on. He had to move on to please his father because it was no longer about him. He wanted to be like the like his father in heaven. And that's like Jesus, we should be practicing the same things. We should be practicing the likeness of him, becoming the likeness of our Godhead, because God is in us. And we have nothing to be ashamed of. When you are in this world, you have everything to be ashamed of. And so now I want you to turn to Job, Job, the fifth chapter. Now, the reason why I went to Job or God has me to go to Job, it's because you just need to see it from a different light. Job was a man of God who did not bow down to this world. He was a man of God who, who suffered a test of his life for righteousness sake, for doing the right thing. And this is what Job had to say in Job 5, in, in verse 3, Speaking out of his hurt of the things that he was going through, he says in verse three, I have seen a fool taking root. Let me explain that one more time or say that one more time. I have seen a fool taking root. What is that? Growing in the ground, making a place, making a home, establishing himself. But I immediately pronounced a curse on his home. Now, you say, well, is Job speaking about himself or is he speaking based on how God thinks about his people? Yes, he's speaking from a godly perspective, not of himself. He says his children are far from safety. They are crushed at the city gate with no one to rescue them. The hungry consume his harvest, even taking it out of the thorns. Now, think about this. He's talking about thorns. He's talking about harvest. He's talking about roots. He's talking about evildoers, evildoers taking root. He says, I see their way. I see their end. And it goes on to say the thirsty pant for his children's wealth for distress does not grow out of the soil and trouble does not sprout from the ground. But humans are born for trouble. As surely as sparks fly upward. Let me explain what Job is trying to say here. He says, trouble don't come out of the ground. It ain't something that springs forth. It's humans who cause trouble. It's humans who, who choose to do what's wrong. But he says, but as for trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. So our, our intention, everything that we are will go Upward, it's not going to uh, go downward. I don't want you to be confused about this, this, this passage. But humans are born for trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Meaning that you were created for this. You were created to withstand the trouble. You were created 
to to uh, endure, to overcome whatever trouble of this world, whatever the life try to bring to you that troubles you because Job was troubled. He had lost, suffered great loss, his children, his wife, but God gave him double. Everything he lost, God, God gave it back to him. But you need to understand where you are and whose you are. And you have to commit your way to that. So now I want you to recognize the fruit. Say with me, recognizing the good fruit. Let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Reading at verse 18, it says, A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you will recognize them by their what? Fruit. You will recognize them by their fruit. So what a person demonstrates is a, a, a revelation of what's inside of them, what they're producing. That is what it is. You say, well, this person goes to church and, uh, you know, um, he's cool and, you know, he's, he, he's on a deacon board and he serves in his community. But yet I definitely see him in the club drinking and smoking and he's living a life. Uh, it looks like he has a, a, a spouse, but yet he, he has a girl on the side and he's teaching other men how cool his life is. And all this stuff is partaking right there at the church. Um, I think there's a contradiction. Same for any woman. Woman has a husband, has children, but yet she's going outside. She wants to party. She wants to hang out. She wants to hang out with single friends. She wants to go out and do the things that's not like God. That's a contradiction. There's a contradiction. Who is it that you serve? Who, are, who is it that you're joined with? Do you value the people in your life? Do you value the relationship that you have in your life? And you say, well, why is this? Because the devil has brought confusion to the house of God. Why is there a contradiction? Because the devil has sought through his seeds out there of confusion. So we will not recognize when our behavior is wrong. It's hard for us to see good behavior when we are surrounded in what is bad. How could you demonstrate when you're, you're comfortable in the wrong environments? How could you demonstrate that you are what you say you are when you're doing the same thing that the world is doing? Now, I don't want you to think it's strange, okay? I don't want you to think it's strange when I say about fruit. Like, 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 like fruit is going to grow from you. Like, like you're going to, out of your limbs, you're going to grow oranges and you're going to grow apples. That's not what God is talking about. He's talking about behavior. You need to understand that this is the behavior that we demonstrate is the fruit that God is talking about. It showcase what we believe. It showcase who we are. It showcase in our attitude. It showcase in how we entreat each other, how we love each other, or how we say we love each other. It's all showcased by the fruit. It demonstrates if you serve God or you serve Satan. Do you serve Baal or you serve this world? That's what it demonstrates. And so 
like I said in the beginning, I love you. And I know that this work has seemed hard, but God wants to bring clarity to the believer. He wants to bring understanding so that you would not be confused anymore. The devil is the author of confusion, not craziness, not not fighting physically. He's talking about confusing you from your way. This happened in the very beginning. The devil is doing the same plan he did with Adam and Eve. He confused them about their deity, about who they are in Christ, in God. And they missed the blessing. They were, they were kicked out of their inheritance. The devil's working the same plan today. If you really knew the inheritance that you have for you, if you really knew what God had in store for you, you wouldn't be saying the things you say. You wouldn't be doing the things you do. You wouldn't be going the places you're going to. You would choose to do different if you knew the blessing, if you knew the inheritance that Jesus Christ speaks of for those who serve him and those who love him. Now, he is expecting good behavior and good actions to be demonstrated for those who are called by his name. Who say they are in him and who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and who are in God. Because remember, it comes from God, Jesus, then us. And it just goes on. And these are fruits. This is the vine. That's being connected to the vine. We have lost our connection from the vine. We have joined with another tree that is not of God. And yes, you can take a tree, slice it at a certain point, bind those trees together, two different trees together, and it will produce from the same fruit. It can actually produce a cherry tree on one side and an orange tree on another side. But that's contrariness. But you have to bind them together. This is why the Bible tells us that we, we bind the hand of the enemy and we loose blessings. Because if we don't bind the devil, he will bind us. We have to bind the enemy. But the devil comes and binds us to things that's not right. And we are confused and we become bound to things that's not of, the, uh, not of God. So let's move on. So I want you now to turn to 1 Peter because we're almost done. Because we want to see what, what fruit look like. We want to recognize the fruit. So you need to go to 1 Peter, the third chapter, reading at verse 8. At 1 Peter, the third chapter, reading of verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you being like-minded and sympathetic, love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. That is what God said. That is the standard of God. It's not the standard of this world. The world's going to tell you somebody insults you, you better insult them back. They put their hand on you, you better knock them out. But they're, that's their opinion. That is the world opinion. God's opinion say, be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. On the contrary, because there is a separation, giving a blessing since you were called for this 
so that you may inherit a blessing. See, when you do these things, God says, there's a blessing coming because he knows the only way you could have done that is in his strength, is abiding in him, is doing what he called you to do. So he has to bless you. And it goes on for the one who wants to love life and to see good days. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do what is what good. He didn't say do what is wrong. He didn't do what he say. Do what is uh, what you think is right. He said, do what is good. What is good for that situation? What makes you makes you look good before the eyes of God? And moving on. Let him speak, let him seek peace and pursue it because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. See, so you got to understand Everything like Job, there's a test. So when you are faced among uh, uh, with evil and you are faced with with temptation and you are faced with uh, uh, trouble, it comes as a test. But like a vine that is struggling, a seed that is struggling through the dirt to become a vine, they're struggling and all that pressure and all that stress and all that trouble, they push their way through the dirt to become the likeness of God. And this is what God's saying. And when you begin to do that, you showcase fruit. When you do these things, you produce fruit. You're just the vine until you produce fruit. Your fruit has to be good fruit. Let's break that down just a little bit more. Let's turn to Luke. And this is our last chapter. Luke 6. Luke 6, verse 27. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So you say, well, how do I operate in good fruit? He just told you. How do I showcase good fruit? He just told you. Do what is good to those who hate you. And I ain't doing nothing good for them. Are you smoking crack? I'm not doing nothing. She, she treated me bad. She said those things about me. She talked about my mama. She talked about my daddy. She talked, uh, he did this to my, my brother. I ain't doing nothing for you. I ain't doing nothing. No, revenge is of the devil. God is saying, do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Yeah, pray for them and bless them. And the Bible tells me you are producing fruit. Good fruit in the likeness of God, not the likeness of man, not the likeness of this world. If anyone hits you on the cheek after the other also, offer the other also. He said, this man hit me. Yeah, offer the other one too. You want to hit me here? How that one felt? That felt good over here? Now, I know what you're thinking. 
I know right now what you're thinking. Oh, this, this Christian stuff ain't for me. Oh, good. I get it. Because God came to give you a choice. He rather you hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, you're not fit. You're not ready for this. You call yourself a soldier. This is being a soldier. This is being tough. This is being like God. People think that they're God. This is being like God. This is being the essence of God. This is who you were created in. This is who you are. It's in you. The devil has came to confuse you. So let's keep going. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from someone who takes you takes your things. Don't ask for them back. Mm-hmm. Oh no, wait, no, you borrowed my clothes. <laughs> you said I let you borrow them clothes and you told me you'd give it back yesterday and you still got them. Or you still got them and it's been over a whole year. When am I going to get my jacket back? Right? Nah. Let it go. God's calling you to a higher standard. A higher level. It ain't, it ain't what you think. It ain't what the world told you it was. It ain't eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. He lied to you. He twisted the word of God for his own good. Not to God's good pleasure. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? You hear that? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? You know this person loves you. Of course you're going to love them back. Now, how about loving your enemy? Let's keep going. Even if sinners love those who love them, if you do what is good to those who, who are good to you, what credit is that to you? You're doing good for people who are doing good for you. Oh, man, you hooked me up with lunch last week. I appreciate that. I seen you get, got my back in that meeting. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. He don't have to be your brother and sister. You're going to be cool with a person who's doing good to you. What good is that? How about somebody who is not doing good to you? Who, who stole your presentation, stole your ideas and put them in your face and flagrantly suggested that there was that was their ideas and not yours. Who called themselves a friend and took credit for something that didn't belong to them. Who stabbed you in the back and and took your boyfriend. Stab you in the back. Took your girlfriend. Try to turn your children against you. Now that's the God we talking about. You want to be like him? Showcase that you are. That's what we talking about. That's what God is talking about. Even if sinners do that. And if you lend to those who from you, whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Ungrateful. Let me read that again. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. So if we want to be like God, our God bears fruit. He created us in his image 
and he is the vine and we need to stay connected. And as the as the caretaker of his garden, he came to prune you. He came today to cut off the dead weeds. He came today to pull off the tares. He came today to take out the foxes. He came today to heal you and put good, put you in good soil and nourish you and water you and place his sunshine upon you so that you will grow into a fruitful vine and that you will be bearing good fruit for him, for his pleasure in his garden. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this word, the end of this series. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word, for showcasing what fruit looks like and who we are in you. Knowing we are like you and created in your image. God, we ask you, God, now to cut off all that is wrong within us, God. Everything that separates us from your love, God, that you would take it out. Blot out our sins and all of our transgressions, God, and forgive us, oh God. Help us, Lord God, to receive that which you have given us and live in the vine. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.